You are listening to the Revolutionary Force in Professional Wrestling Podcast for over 20 years. Reviews, interviews, shoots, news, and opinions like no other. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ring Scoops. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Ring Scoops podcast, and I'm your host, the Webmaster Wade Needham, joined with Mac of all. Mac, it is summertime. It is hot. It is heating up. It's getting hotter. It's almost time for SummerSlam. It's almost time for All Out or All In or whatever the hell the name is. How have you been coping with all this heat, with the fans returning, with uh, all this stuff going on in the world of professional wrestling? What's what's going on in Mac land? Um, I think this is probably the most, first of all, welcome everybody. Welcome to the, to the show. Um, glad that you're tuning in again. Um, it's always good to talk to you guys, all the wrestling fans, all the people that love us, all the people that hate us. Thank you for listening. Just want to get that out the way. Because this is going to be one of them shows that you're going to have to come back and listen to because I'm, I'm, I'm finna say some stuff. I'm finna say some stuff. Um, but this right now is quite possibly the biggest summer in the history of the wrestling business since the Monday Night Wars. This, I repeat, is the biggest summer in the history of the, the, the professional wrestling business as a whole since the Monday Night Wars. There's nothing that can compare to how special this time period is right now in the history of this business. And that's a big ass thing. You want to know how big this is, Mac? Hmm. Everybody has been talking. It's well documented. The whole stuff with Daniel Bryan and CM Punk and Goldberg and all these names. But I have it under good authority because it was officially announced just a little while ago. One of the biggest names ever is going to be at SummerSlam. I can't wait for this, man. And I know that you can't wait for this, but it was, it was official press release. Just got it right off the business wire that WWE announced today that comedian, actress, and She Ready founder, Tiffany Haddish, is going to be the official host of the SummerSlam after party in Las Vegas. Interesting. That's big. If you notice, since the good con has taken over um, the entire, you know, WWE in terms of how, I, 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 I guess, I don't know his name. Do you know his name? Ooh, Nick Khan. Nick Khan, thank you. That's why I was trying to stall. Nick, <laughs> Nick Khan has taken over. Uh, the WWE, a lot of the stuff that they've been doing has been very focused on trying to cross over um, to make this more of a mainstream product. They did the Rolling Loud Festival. 
Um, they did, of course, they're doing SummerSlam. Uh, they had a collaboration with uh, Bad Bunny. Like they're really trying to make wrestling a mainstream thing. I think he was probably one of the biggest uh, cheerleaders to try to get the Peacock deal, uh, which makes them more legitimate. Uh, so yeah, so I, I give them props on doing that. Bringing Tiffany Haddish in, uh, I'm not a huge fan of hers, but it's very, very smart because this brings in a, a demographic that may not necessarily uh, be tuning into wrestling. So I think it's very smart. I don't, I don't really see anything negative about this. What do you think? You know, she's um, she's a hot name right now in, in Hollywood. She's got um, she's got her hand in several cookie jars right now, and uh, I think it's smart. Um, I'm I'm personally not a not a, a huge fan of her work. Uh, the bits and pieces I could take her in little tiny bits and pieces, not in a long stretch of things. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. um, if, if there's one person out there that I could think of that has the right amount of uh, charisma and can get people excited and is very charismatic, um, it's uh, Tiffany Haddish. She's definitely got those qualities. I think she would make an excellent host for this after party. Um, it's gonna be kind of interesting to see like what. What what is what is this after party? What's going to happen at this after party? It says here it's invite only. So I, are they going to broadcast this? Is it just a private thing? What's going to happen? I want to know what's going on with this after party. I think you and I should go to this after party and find out. Yeah, I, I would, but you know this this uh, virus is going crazy again, and that's you know of course we'll get to that, but. That's another concern, you know, moving forward uh, in these uh, months to come. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I know you and I, we've been talking throughout the, the week um, leading into this uh, recording here. And I know like one of the biggest hot topics that you and I have been discussing has been uh, AEW and a lot of things that's been going on with AEW. They've been on a tear lately with signing talent. They got real lucky with the Aleister Black signing uh, with that oversight that he had a 30-day no-compete clause instead of a 90-day. Uh, so they got real lucky with that one. Um, you know, Chavo just recently joined. There's the rumors about CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. Uh, they're starting a tour again, which, of course, as we alluded to a little while ago, that may change depending on how everything goes in the next, you know, couple of weeks. I know like in Vegas, they, they got a, a mandate for face masks again, and they've been very, very lenient about that since uh, mid April. I thought it was uh, a man. I thought it was a mandate just for employees, not for, or did they put it reinstated also for, for tourists as well? Yeah, no, um, starting uh, this Friday, uh, Governor Sislak in Nevada is issued out a statewide um, mask mandatory again. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's crazy. That's news to me. That's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, Vegas, that's the, the host city for SummerSlam. Right. And, you know, they um, literally 
have done everything that they possibly can to try to get back on track. They had a lot of events back to back. In fact, that's why SummerSlam is on a Saturday because um, Vegas asked them to be on a Saturday because I believe later on that evening is a big Manny Pacquiao fight that uh, the WWE wanted to kind of uh, start early enough and end it where the fight with Manny Pacquiao, the people got two tickets and they could just walk across over to um, the T-Mobile arena. Well, the, not walk because this is pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty, it's a pretty uh, long way. But Yeah, you got the 15 right there in the middle too. <laughs> right, right. But uh, travel over there to the T-Mobile arena uh, yeah. to uh, watch the Manny Pacquiao fight just in time for the main event. Hey, they so, might have shuttles going back and forth. That'd be the smart thing. Yeah, they might. They might. Um, but again, it all comes down to um, are they going to be able to fix this? Like, is this is this a situation where they'll be able to still have events, still have shows, still have all these things and not have to cancel anything? But you tell me about the mask mandate. You know, Vegas is one of those, Vegas is like Florida in a lot of ways. I mean, Florida's Florida. Don't get me wrong. I'm not dissing anybody in Florida. And this is not a politics show, but Florida's governor is very, um, he's very for individual choices. Um, he does not like, never did, uh, mandated policies on vaccinations and on masks. So, even though things are not looking good in terms of the numbers there, it's going to take a lot for him to put on some sort of a restrictive uh, mandate for that state, massive state of Florida, because he really didn't do it before. Um, so Vegas is kind of like that as well, too. Vegas, this whole thing was, you know, Vegas is back, Vegas is back. And, you know, they just opened up a resorts world casino out there had a massive opening night um the hiltons were there usher was there um tons of celebrities feel i mean black tie event and everyone was walking around with no mask on and now to take that and revert back to putting a mask on when a lot of these um sanitizing stations are gone six feet distances are, are gone in terms of the markers on the floor. The plexiglass is gone. Um, you know, the buffets are open, so there's no real, you know, restrictions to, you know, grab, you know, utensils at the buffet. Like, there's nothing that's stopping Vegas from continuing on. But if you have this mass thing in, now it's very serious. Now you have to really, because they, they were making a lot of money this summer. So if you're going to put this back in, you got to really think, is SummerSlam going to happen the way that we think it is? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I think WWE might be able to turn this thing around if it gets worse. Um, I, I don't think it's going to get as bad like last year with WrestleMania where they had to change it completely where they canceled the venue. And they did a closed set with nobody in attendance. I don't think it's going to get that bad that that quick. 
I still think there will be fans in attendance. If push comes to shove, they've got the technology now. They they can do half Thunderdome, half full crowd. And that would also help out with, uh, you know, socially distancing the audience. The big headache of doing that, though, is (laughs) trying to figure out um, how to place that in the arena if it's sold out. And you're not going to know how many people are going to be there until the day of because there might be people that buy tickets and make the conscience decision themselves to say, you know what, we'll take the loss. We won't, we won't go. Uh, and you're not going to know that until then. And you can't, obviously you can't, you know, take somebody's seat away and put a monitor there for a Thunderdome. But you know, if, if they need to, they, I, I think WWE, I think they've got some people in a room right now, um, you know, trying to figure this out. Same with AEW. Because Chicago is a big market too, and they got all out coming in. Uh, that's going to be at what at the end of August, beginning of September. Um, you know, not too long, not too far out after SummerSlam, and and that's a big market too. Right, and um, these not and these numbers um, for the virus is like I, I think I read a stat today that it was up sixty six percent in a week. Jesus. Infections. Um, deaths are up 22%. Like it, like these numbers are growing rapidly because this virus is out. And again, when we're talking about this stuff, guys, because I know a lot of people when they tune into these type of shows, um, it really is an escape. So we're not saying this to you know put you back into worry mode. All of this is relative to what's going on right now uh, with these possible future shows. And with these, you know, rates growing as rapidly as they are, you know, it's very concerning because this is, like I said at the top of the show, this is the most important summer for the wrestling business in decades. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it will be interesting to see what they do moving forward would be interesting to see if, you know, with Jeff, Jeff Hardy, you know, contracting the virus and you see him on Monday Night Raw, you know, slapping hands, not this past week, but the week before, um, it makes you think, you know, did he get that from a fan? Did, you know, uh, was it an autograph session or something? Like, are they going to put things in place where the, you know, the fans may not be able to interact like they were with the superstars? you know, moving forward, you know, starting with SmackDown and, and, and pay-per-views like, what, what are they going to do? Because something has to be done to make sure that you protect the talent and to protect this, uh, the SummerSlam card you got coming up. Same with AEW. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, um, I got tickets for the Monday night raw after SummerSlam in San Diego. Um, and you know, California and, Governor Newsom, he's kind of been a little uh, controversial with some of his decisions amongst, you know, Californians, uh, especially uh, in the last few months. Um, it should be interesting to see, like, how he reacts to everything going on and any mandates and, and all that, because, you know, California is a huge state. California is what the fifth largest economy in the entire world. That's huge, too. That's something he's got to manage. Um and not just wrestling shows and stuff like that, but like, you know, 
how's he going to, is he going to tell Disneyland to close again? Is Disney going to listen to him? There's a lot of things. Yeah. Know, and, and, with- and, and then to, to piggyback off of that, um, he out here in, in California, I think it's California and I think maybe a few other states, they have a recall rule. So the recall rule is if you get enough signatures, uh, which I think is, uh, what is it, 2 million signatures, something like something, that? Something like that, 1.5. Something like that, yeah. Um, then, and these signatures are asking for the governor to be recalled. So basically that means is that, you know, 1.5, 2 million Californians don't like the job that he's doing and want him to be recalled from his job. And they want basically somebody else in to uh, be the governor of California. So that's already in play. I think they're going to be voting. I don't know if it's in December, um, September. I don't know. They're not, they haven't really made that clear yet. Uh, I, I'm guessing it's going to be later on because if it was in September, we would be getting so many political ads <laughs> on TV right now uh, yeah. for that. So, you know. He, he made a lot of things that weren't popular out here in California. And that's why this happened. A lot of people out of frustration said, hey, we don't want to have you in power because you keep telling us you're going to close something or open something and nothing happens. Yeah. And uh, th- I mean, this isn't the first time that we've recalled a governor either. Gray Davis got uh, recalled back in 2003, which led to you know, that, that train wreck of a, an election that had everybody coming out of the woodwork to run for governor, Yes, which eventually Schwarzenegger won. Yes. One term. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, so remember Rob Black ran for, uh, for governor, Rob Black, uh, <laughs> Mary Carey, um, Ron Jeremy, um, Gary Coleman. Yeah. Gary Coleman. I remember that. Yeah, it's just everybody and their mama was running. It, it was it was a joke. <laughs> it was a joke. <laughs> well, let's uh let's switch gears here a little bit. Let's uh let's talk a little bit about uh AEW and uh you know how they've been doing this summer so far, and of course the rumors of Daniel Bryan and CM Punk, because I know you've been very vocal about that. You've you've got you've got some stuff you want to get off your chest, right? Yeah. Um, well, first, you know, I want to I want to start with the um, I'm going to take this from two approaches. Right. The first approach I want to take this from is I don't want to be a person that is oblivious like a lot of wrestling fans are. A lot of wrestling fans are oblivious to um, certain things that happen. So if there's something that's big or cool or awesome or great TV or a great match, that's on another company, I'm gonna give them praise for it. I'm not gonna knock them just because I may not watch them every single week. I don't like what their talent says or, or people in power says. If something is good, it's good. And there's no denying if something is good. So for example, to put this in basketball terms, the Milwaukee Bucks won the NBA championship. Uh, the star of the Milwaukee Bucks, the MVP, two-time MVP um, of the league, as well as defensive player of the league, um, and finals MVP now, Giannis Antetokounmpo, he has always been uh, criticized because of his game. He's very athletic. He can dunk, he can run, 
but he does not have a, a jump shot. He does not have a free throw shot. He does not have a mid-range. These are the things that they talked about him. And during the finals, he showed that he can do all these things. And I think he ended up with a triple-double, 50 points at, at, on the eliminating game for the finals. And I think it was like 116 points scored. So regardless of how you feel about him personally or his game, you've got to give him respect because he did something great. So that brings me to AEW. I think that this is a very big get for AEW. I think that this brings eyes to AEW that were originally watched the, pro the, the, the product and said that they don't like it. I think this now draws people back to give it another look because they were not interested in what they originally saw. I think that this is a good thing for their company because now you can arguably say that your roster can compete with the WWE. I mean, partially because half the guys are WWE, but, <laughs> um, but all joking aside, you have a star-studded roster that can compete with anybody now when you add those two guys. You really don't need to add anybody else once you add those two guys. So those are that's me giving AEW its flowers. Is there any flowers that you like to give AEW before we go into the next portion of what I have to say? Um, it has something to do with a, a, a new signing to the company. Um, she's been working with AEW for a while now, but it's now official that Thunder Rosa is uh, under contract with AEW. And I think that is a tremendous signing, not only for you know, I mean, the company in general, but for the, their women's division. Uh, Thunder Rosa is a talent that I've had my eye on for quite some time now. Um, I got to interview her back in 2015. Um, we hung out at a uh, stardom show when they worked uh, Covina out here uh, in that same year. Um, very down to earth person. She's got a great head on her shoulders. She understands the business. She has uh, great work ethic. And I think that is one of the smartest signings that AEW has made since their inception uh, two years ago. So I'm going to give them a lot of props for signing Thunder Rosa. Yeah. Um, one thing that they are definitely good at is giving guys an opportunity when, you know, maybe a lot of people don't think that they deserve one. So they give them a, a, an opportunity, a shot to come on TV. Um, if they succeed, if they fail, it's really up to the talent. But they at least give them that platform to come on TV. And it's up to you to get better. It's up to you to get over. So I give them their props on giving people opportunities who may not have gotten opportunities like there's a lot of stories of guys that you know were in like for example uh, luchasaurus he was in wwe de developmental and they just didn't get it they just it just wasn't working there he didn't have that gimmick then but you know normally a guy that size and if you saw him with his mask off he has a good look um normally those type of guys get over in that type of segment or, or, or not segment, but um, uh, company. Um, and that's really what Vince looks for. It's tall and athletic, uh, but it didn't work. But he honed the gimmick 
and AEW pushed it to the forefront. And the first time I saw him in that battle royal, I said, I don't know who this kid is. And, and I, I don't know if you remember me saying that, but I said, you know, they need to sign Luchasaurus. I don't know who he is, but I like him. He just immediately popped out on the screen. So I give them their flowers on, on, on signing people, giving people an opportunity and, you know, getting these two guys. Um, now, let's get real. What is this going to do? What if, if I'm Tony Khan and I'm sitting in the back and I'm happy that I've gotten this done because I don't think there has been arguably a signing of two superstars this big back to back since Hall and Nash. If I'm wrong, please tell me I'm wrong. I'll, I'll think about it. <laughs> But I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's been a signing, and even arguably, Paul and Nash's signing was not that big because Razor Ramon wasn't as big as a name during that time period as let's say a CM Punk and Daniel Bryan is now. You know, Kevin Nash, of course, he was their world champion there, so of course that's a big get. But you had the guy Razor Ramon who was Razor Ramon in the, you know, in the mid card and was off TV for a while. So, but you got these two guys and you sign them and then what are we going to do with them? And that's what I think is the biggest problem with AEW. Look at how many people have been signed this year. I mean, it's back to back to back to back to back. And I have yet to see something that's going to make me come over and stay and get excited about your product. AEW is literally a company that is filled with just good matches. They do not care about sports entertainment. They do not care about a television show. They care about having a good pay-per-view and a dream match where it's two guys facing each other that people know is going to be a good match because they may have seen it on the Indies years ago or they dreamed about seeing it years ago. So how are we going to capitalize on these two things? I'm very disappointed in Daniel Bryan. And I'm disappointed in Daniel Bryan from the standpoint that Vince put you in the main event of WrestleMania. Twice. He did not have to do that, especially this last one. Mm -hmm. Edge, yeah. Edge versus Reigns was enough. He didn't have to do anything else for you. But he put you in the match at the last minute and gave you the opportunity to be in front of fans, really pushed you to the moon to make it seem like you had a chance. And it was a really good triple threat. Even put him on a T-shirt afterwards. I'm stacked on a t-shirt, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but you did everything. Vince did everything he could for you. Put your wife in the Hall of Fame, which scrat a lot of people are still scratching their head on that. Basically have, has financed your life. Now, a lot of people were saying, well, 
uh, that's because he wrestled. Let me get deeper with Daniel Bryan. For those who used to watch Total Bellas, there was a time period years ago, if you remember, Daniel Bryan couldn't wrestle. And he went into a deep depression. And this was shown on Total Bellas. Oh, yeah. He was out with his wife and um, his wife's sister and his wife's sister's boyfriend at that time, John Cena. And they were on a retreat somewhere. And he was so depressed that he told his wife, you know, I just got to get out of here. I just need some time to myself. Uh, I just, I just, I don't know. I just need some time to myself. I don't feel right. So he went to Arizona by himself, left his wife there. Need time by himself to try to get his mind together. And you know what the WWE did so graciously? They said, hey, we could still use you. What if you came in as a general manager? How would you like that? What if we brought you in that way? So this way you could still be on TV, still get the it. And he said, oh, it just changed my life. It feels so good to be around people again. And oh man, I just feel so invigorated. This man was in a deep, dark depression and the WWE made a role for him, which they did not have to make. put his wife in the Hall of Fame, which they did not have to do. Gave you millions of dollars, which yes, you earned those millions of dollars, but the thing that people don't understand about the WWE and about any company, and this is what Vince is good at, and this is a quote, because I've been talking straight, I wanna hear your uh, opinion on of course. Kevin Nash did a sit down interview with Steve Austin. I don't know if you saw that yet. No, I haven't. Okay, there's, there's a portion in it um, where, and this clip is going on online, so you can, you can see it online, guys, on YouTube or something like that, uh, and it's titled, When He Knew That WWF Was Going to Beat Them. Kevin Nash said that it was WrestleMania, and he said, if we sat down, we watched WrestleMania, and every single match had like a trailer before it just in case you didn't know what was going on before the match and then he said then i saw tyson and then he said that when he came into wcw on monday um kevin sullivan said to him and i'm maybe getting the words uh wrong he says oh it's cold water here isn't it and then Nash said yeah he said, similar to when the Titanic hit the iceberg. So in other words, he knew that they were screwed. And the reason why he said that they were screwed is he said that the WWE can outproduce anybody. That's what he said. So the production value, the putting the music with the yes chance, putting the, you know, making the shirts the way that they make, putting him in opportunities to get himself over, putting him in storylines. The storyline where he had to beat Triple H and then win a triple threat match later on that night to have his WrestleMania moment, putting him in those type of positions. And then you say, F it. I don't like that. Does not make me feel good. And you're taking this job because you can work in New Japan. This guy is giving you I don't know how much money, 
I'm sure is a ridiculous amount of money for very limited dates. And you get quote unquote creative control, brother. And then you leave on the first thing smoking. I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of that. And what's your thoughts on Daniel Bryan? Uh, I can see where you're coming from. Um, I get it. I really do. Uh, I'm a little on the fence um, about it. Uh, like I said, I, I see your point. I agree with it. But at the same time, he's been with the WWE for uh, well over a decade. He's worked in and out of the ring. He's a multiple-time world champion. Um, he's had other championships. He's had other runs with uh, different titles, different roles. He's played a tremendous baby face, a tremendous heel. Um, I think he's worked with just about everybody on the roster, you know, uh, minus, you know, the new up-and-coming NXT talent. Um I would have loved to have seen him maybe do a run in NXT. I think, yeah, I think he would work great with guys like Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano. And, uh, you know, I think him and Karrion Cross would have been able to tell a really good story in the ring. Absolutely. Um, with Joe back in NXT, if we could have seen a Daniel Bryan, uh, Samoa Joe match one day would have been great. Um, so I think like, if there was anything that eluded him in his career in WWE would have been an NXT run, which I would have loved to have seen. Um, other than that, I don't think he had any other direction to go in with the company. Um, I think he's in one of those really unique situations where he's too young to retire, right. but from a physical standpoint and a, a, an emotional and mental one too, that you'd brought up about it, you know, his, his depression, not that was documented on total uh, Bella's, which I, I vividly remember that yes. he went on the woods, you know, to see a shaman and, you know, was like sweating in a tent and all that stuff and crying. Yeah. And yeah, he was doing all that Ab stuff. Ab absolutely. Absolutely. And again, I'm not knocking this guy because he had depression. Because well, yeah, no, no. I get that. He's just, yeah, he's, he's, you know, you just had somebody that gave you the biggest lifeline in the world to bring you out of it. Yeah. I, you know, and I think I, you know, I see Daniel Bryan, I don't think he is like a lot of other people in the business. I think like a lot of other people that would have been in his shoes, they, I think they would have taken a lot of that stuff for granted. I don't think he did. Um, he still did business when he needed to do business. He still put guys over. Um, you know, he, he, he laid down for Kofi at WrestleMania. Right. Um, you know, which he, 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 which he said, which he said was his favorite WrestleMania moment, by the way. Yeah, and 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 he it, uh, he beat Evolution in one night. <laughs> yeah, you know how many people get that opportunity to do that, right? Right, exactly. Um, but you know, I I think I think uh, Daniel Bryan. I don't think anybody will disagree with me on this. I think Daniel Bryan definitely comes from a genuine place. Um, I don't think that he he has an evil bone in his body. I don't think he has a malicious bone in his body. I think he's making a, a decision. Uh, where he's going to work a lighter schedule, which will be easier for his body and his mind and his spirit. Uh, it'll allow him to spend a little bit more time with his family. Uh, he's still going to be bringing in an income. He's still a big enough name and young enough to still be able to work 
and have a draw to them. My only concern is, and I, I know this is going to be a stretch for a lot of people, but I, I know, I know somebody like you and, you know, like a DA and a blade, they would understand this as well. What I'm about to say, because we come from, you know, uh, the generation that this kind of stuff, you know, was very relevant. Uh, today's generation probably wouldn't get the comparison I'm about to make, but a guy like Daniel Bryan going to an AEW reminds me of Bret Hart going to WCW. Remember Vince McMahon always had those famous words. They're not going to know what to do with a Bret Hart. My question is, is AEW going to be able to know what to do with a Daniel Bryan? I would say no. Um, First of all, we will not know him as Daniel Bryan. Uh, he will be Daniel Bryan's. Um, what we, as wrestling fans, if you're a hardcore wrestling, which is basically their, you know, their audience, is we are really trying to get the people who, you know, used to trade wrestling tapes back in the day. You know, that's really their audience. Um, if I am a new fan and I see him and I start asking myself, why is he not doing the yes chant? Why is he not, you know, talking the way that he used to talk? Why is he different? And why is his name changed? A lot of this stuff people didn't experience in this generation. We experienced it back then. And a lot of the times when the name changed, the gimmick changed. Unfortunately, with AEW, and this goes to what you're saying about what Vince saying, what are they going to do with the name of Brian? Unfortunately for AEW, everybody that's come in under a new moniker has not succeeded the way that they should have. Everyone that, is, that says that, you know, I'm no longer this WWE carbon copy of this person and then they come in and it's, they really haven't done anything to really get themselves over uh the most over guy that they've created hands down is darby out yeah oh yeah and thankfully he's a homegrown talent too so they right. have bragging rights with that and right. rightfully so right and but it's like you're trying to convince us that hangman page is going to have a chance against kenny omega when, if you go back and we did a show on this, uh, uh, you know, when they had their very first pay-per-view for the world title, I said at the time the Hangman Page needed to be the champion. Yeah. Because if we would have established him early on as a championship contender, then you would have had more believability for now that he could win that belt back. Because you didn't do that. You made him a drunk. You uh, had him in a tag team with Kenny Omega. Well, Kenny Omega will always be late to, you know, stop to save. Like, you did a bunch of stuff that didn't really make too much sense. They turned him into James Storm. <laughs> right. Um, and then you have him with the Dark Order, which I don't really, you know, know how, know, you know, how that really coincides with each other. But you haven't really done anything to really get these guys over that are guys that are coming in from different companies. 
because the only guy that you've gotten over, and I guess you can argue Orange Cassidy as well too, but he's back doing his shtick thing again. He had a yeah. good run there with Jericho and everybody was praising their matches. And then, you know, what is he doing now? Playing footsies with Sting. Right. So Scorpio Sky is another guy. Like, remember Jericho giving the bubbly speech? That's when he says, time for the bubbling, was in the backstage area. And then he saw uh, Scorpio Sky and said, well, you can get a shot at the title too. And they had a match and he beat him. And then that was it. That was an opportunity to elevate Scorpio Sky. Like, they don't really have a blueprint of how to get guys from point A to point B. And bringing in Daniel Bryan, when you're still trying to figure out what you're doing with Christian, you put Christian in a feud with Matt Hardy. <laughs> like, why? Did when, you Do you think Christian came to AEW to face the guy that he's faced on SmackDown for years? I mean, that seems like the kind of match that, like, the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia would want to see at, you know, Crown Jewel, right? Right, and they're trying to push it as, like, this is the big, you know, because his, his, his gimmick is big money, Matt Hardy. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, Christian should be uh, in a feud with, you know, uh, Scorpio Sky or somebody who, whoever is the person, like a hangman page, if you want to make him, have him feel with Christian. Christian make him look like a million bucks. And oh, then yeah. hang, Hangman will go over and then now you create this believability for him. But the long and short of it is that no, uh, Daniel Bryan is going to be very exciting for people to see him there speaking AEW in an AEW ring, in an AEW t-shirt, seeing that thing online saying that he's all elite. People are going to be super excited about his matches and then once the excitement dies down, and now we have to start, start talking about substance, who exactly is the feud that we're going to see him in, or what is the feud that we're going to see him in that is going to be good TV, not just a good match? Because now you have two TV shows. So for me to tune in for these TV shows, rather than just buying a pay-per-view and seeing a match if I'm a diehard wrestling fan, what is it? What are you going to do to, to, to bring me over? And that's my concern. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they'll know what to do with this man. Um, I've been listening to uh, Jim Cornette's take on this, and I think Jim Jim Cornette and Brian Last have a, a a really good take on what they would do with a guy like Daniel Bryan. And I'd like to get your thoughts on this. Hmm. Um. Cornette was saying, you know, with the with the model that AEW has where they don't have a pay-per-view every month, they have like what four pay-per-views a year. Mm-hmm. Um is to limit a guy like Daniel Bryan on your TV. Um don't have any TV matches with him. Limit his appearances, really strong arm the whole he's an attraction and you're going to have to watch this guy on pay-per-view. Because one thing that AEW does get right a lot of the times is putting over the fact that their pay-per-view matches and their pay-per-view structures are probably one of the strongest things they have going for themselves because they they do know how to make uh, a pay-per-view seem like an event um, right. as opposed to you know just regular weekly television, even though they have a lot of special events. 
for the weekly TV. Right. Um, that's, that's, how the, that's how the rating pops, but that's another conversation for another time. Yeah. And especially this month where every, every week is, you know, a, a, a special event, but um, you know, during the normal times, like they, they really do know how to make a pay-per-view look and feel special. And that's a big plus right there. Going back to the earlier when you and I were saying, you know, we'll give credit where credit's due. Um, whenever, whenever I do tune into an AEW pay-per-view, it does seem like, Hey, this is a big fight night feel. This feels, it almost feels like I'm watching like a, like a UFC event or, you know, like a old boxing extravaganza from the nineties with, you know, Mike Tyson or, or something like that. I kind of get that vibe a little bit and that's a good thing. And Cornette is saying, you know, primarily keep a guy like Daniel Bryan and even, you know, so they bring CM Punk to have Punk kind of do the same thing. Have these guys be like your, your attractions uh, where you're going to see them on pay-per-view. You're not going to see them wrestle for free on free television. Um, you know, you'll see them, you know, kind of get into like a schmoz here and there, but it's, you know, an all for build up for the pay-per-views. Uh, you're going to go out there, you're going to cut your promos um, and, and you're just, you're going to quick shot it. You're going to go out there, do your business and get out of there. You're not going to be mixed up with anything else and just really drive home that you want to see this guy compete. You order the pay-per-view. If you want to support this guy, here's the merch, you know, we're going to give you this guy, you know, four times out of the year in the ring. What do you think about that? I think that's great. Um, I think that um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the type of schedule that um, he has, because I'm very sure. See, the thing is, is a lot of people with these um, signings of AEW that they don't put into perspective, and I'm sure CM Punk is the only exception to the rule. A lot of these guys negotiated with Vince first, so they went to Vince. They said, "This is what I want." How close can you get me to this? Vince gave his best and final offer. They went to AEW, said, this is what I want. How close can you get me to this? AEW fulfilled all of their financial obligations, uh, creative control, freedom, all that stuff, right? So of course you're gonna go with AEW. It makes sense uh, financially to do that. I'm just a big proponent of loyalty, but using Daniel Bryan that way is the smartest way to use him. Um, are they going to use him that way? No. You know, Daniel Bryan wants to wrestle, just like Christian said that when he got offered a contract, um, he wanted to wrestle more frequently. And the WWE wanted him on a, well, they wanted to make him a special attraction. And he didn't want that type of thing. So, mm. I'm sure Daniel Bryan putting into his contract that he wants to work in Japan and, you know, Conan asking Tony Khan, Hey, did you sign him? And um, he was like, Oh, I can, you know, I can't talk about that. Wink, wink. Yeah. Because Conan wants to use him in AAA. Like he's going to end up wrestling more because he has the freedom to do what he wants compared to, what he did with the WWE. Now, if he if he does that, if it, his contract is where he gets to work an indie schedule, he gets to go to Japan, do all that kind of stuff. Do you think that actually takes away 
from how special it would be to see him in AEW if you're also able to see him elsewhere. Yeah, that, that kind of hindered the John Moxley uh, surprise. The, you know what? That's that's. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because that's the perfect example right there. Because Moxley was able to pretty much work wherever the hell he wanted to work, and that I that kind of ruined a lot of his run early on. In my opinion, was you were able to see him on all these other places. He wrestled so many times before he even wrestled in AEW. And he became a champion. Yeah. So. Which um, he recently dropped that belt. uh, What a week ago on dynamite to Lance Archer. Right. Which is a very interesting choice. Um, But. He. he Overexposed himself. And. I still don't understand what his gimmick is because I just feel like this is a continuation of the gimmick in the WWE because a lot of people say, oh, well, they give him crappy gimmicks. No, this is who he is. There's there's nothing. He still comes out of the crowd, for God's sakes. Like, there's nothing that he does that is different from the WWE. You can't say the volume's on 10. Okay, he can say... uh, cuss and say s and all that other stuff okay cool you can do that too <laughs> in wwe as bobby lashley as mvp you can cuss <laughs> you can cuss now i mean it's not that big of a deal anymore so um yeah. again um no disrespect to daniel bryan but i just think that the allure and legacy that he had and the wwe built for him um is no longer going to be there because they just have shown over these last few years that they're incapable of building stars from scratch, meaning that they're incapable of putting you in a position to succeed in storylines that are interesting every single week. You look at what Roman Reigns is doing. Roman Reigns, like, this guy never wrestles on SmackDown. And if he does, it's it's a... It's a once-in-a-lifetime event that he wrestled with SmackDown. But he's yeah. the most interesting thing from the beginning to the end of the show. Everybody talked about his promo on SmackDown, about John Cena, about he saying the same thing from 2005. It's like missionary position. Every single, everybody talked, he didn't even wrestle. He didn't need yeah. to. He didn't need to. So I don't think they're going to put him in those type of positions. I think they'll put him around guys that know how to talk, which unfortunately is all the WWE guys. And, you know, I, I just think that the allure of Daniel Bryan is going to wear off um, after a while. But we're putting all of this onus on Daniel Bryan, but there's another person that's signing Daniel W. And I'd love to give your thoughts on this. Um, that is a guy that's been away from the wrestling scene for, I think, over seven years in yeah. terms of being in the ring in active competition. And that is a, a guy by the name of CM Punk. How do you feel about CM Punk joining AEW? Uh, well, I mean, he's he's not going to make me watch every single week. Um. I I think I think from a name standpoint, this is a genius signing 
for AEW. Uh, with the personality and the gimmick that Punk has, I think this is a better pairing than CM Punk in the WWE because uh, Punk is going to get free reign. Punk is going to get everything he wants. He's going to Punk is going to be able to go out there and say what he wants on the mic, and there's not going to be anybody in the back that's going to like yell at him for whatever he has to say. So th- this is the perfect environment for a guy like Punk. There's guys that Punk came up with on the Indies that are working AEW right now, uh, both backstage and still in the ring. Um, he's got the pick of the litter of who he wants to work with, um, and I, I I just think. If Punk's coming back to wrestling, I think AEW is the ideal place to work for this guy. Uh, I mean, you know, sure, there's there's guys in WWE I would love to see CM Punk work with. You know, um, I think uh, I think if Punk did like an NXT run, same thing with you know Daniel Bryan that I mentioned a little while back. You know, I think guys that are in NXT that would work great with Punk. Um, you know, if Punk and Samoa Joe did something in NXT, it would have been great. Uh, you know, Adam Cole, the usual suspects. You know, um, you know, Bobby Lashley versus CM Punk on Raw would be great. Uh, Punk and Roman Reigns, with uh, you know how Roman has become the guy that he is now. Uh, they could even revisit you know Punk and Cena. Can you imagine CM Punk versus AJ Styles? with how both of those guys are right now. Good matches. But as far as matches go. CM Punk versus uh, Edge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see there's, there's, there's two different ways to look at it. If you want, if you want to maximize CM Punk as putting on great matches, WWE is the place to sign with. But if you want Punk, who is a lot older, and has not been in the ring for almost a decade. If you want to maximize Punk by not having him physically involved as much as the younger guys, but you really want to push the envelope and have a strong character, then AEW is is, is the place to, to sign with. And I think that's the case with CM Punk. I think he's going to be able to cut amazing promos in the company. Um it's I I I I want to see I want to see CM Punk stand across that ring from Cody Rhodes, and I want to see Cody and Punk go at it. I Punk would uh, demolish Cody, obviously, but Cody is one of the stronger guys on the mic in AEW. And seeing a promo, you know, between those two guys, uh, if they were able to do this, I, CM Punk versus Sting would be a really good match. Um, Darby Allen and CM Punk would be very interesting to see the contrast between those two guys. Uh, so, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Uh, but like I said at the beginning, it's nothing that's going to make me watch like on a weekly basis. I'm not going to be, unless they do something really crazy. Like I, I just, I can't see myself saying, Oh, Hey, Punk is signed. I have to watch, but I'll definitely keep my eye on it a little bit more than what I have right now which I tell you this, to be honest with you in July, I've had my eye on AEW a little bit more than I usually have last week. I watched the whole show and this week, if you know, I mean, we're, it's going to start in like 40 minutes, but you know, if we're done recording by then I'll probably watch tonight just out of curiosity is like, I really want to see how Nick gauge 
works with Jericho. I want to, I, I mean, we all know Jericho is going to go over, but Nick Gage, a very polarizing figure in wrestling. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to get too much into my thoughts on that guy. Uh, it's definitely been time. around. Yeah, it's definitely been around the internet too. A lot of interesting things in his background for sure. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I think it just all goes down to like what you said at the top of the program. This is a, a huge summer. Uh, this is the biggest summer in, in wrestling probably since 97, 98, um, where things were red hot back then, man. That was some of my favorite summers was, you know, 96, 97, 98. And uh, I got, I've got that feel again here in 2021. Yeah, and it's just disappointing that, you know, the virus is picking up again. So, you know, we're going to see some, it's not a question of if, we're going to see some alterations to how the crowds are managed. Um, so it's not going to be that wild and free environment that um, we're accustomed to right now. So it just sucks because SummerSlam's at the end of August and, you know, AEW's pay-per-view is in September. So it's just a lot of time between now and then and it's just kind of scary a little bit how much time it is and how many things are going to change between now and then. It's just very concerning, but definitely from the standpoint of, um, you know, this being one of the most important summers in the history of the business is big. Now, the thing is with punk that I'm concerned about with punk is um, Booker T said something that was very, um, intelligent. Um, he said that with CM Punk, um, he's been out of the business for seven years and is kind of out of sight, out of mind. Now, when you think of this, um, that's blasphemy to a lot of people who listen to this show and a lot of people who watch these shows on a regular basis. However, there are such things as WWE only things. There are such things as casual fans. Only fans. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> there, there's such a thing as casual fans. Yeah. Um, they haven't seen them on TV. So because they haven't seen them on TV, uh, we're not really super excited. That's cool to see him back, but he's not going to. I think Daniel Bryan is a bigger deal. I actually. I've said this to you. I think if they get Braun Strowman, which I never thought that was going to happen, and you know, there's a report going out. I'm sure Metzler said it because you have to look at the source. Um, they're saying, well, they're thinking about re-signing Strowman as a counteraction to AEW. They always have plans to bring this man back. Yeah. Did they did they sign Samoa Joe as a counteraction to Daniel Bryan and said, come on, no. Yeah, you know, and and you know the thing to to uh, kill that whole thing, if he was a a counteraction to anything AEW, um, they would have never released him to begin with. And second, if he didn't, if they didn't utilize him in the last two years when AEW first started, then what makes you think that they're going to be like, oh, okay, so two years later, let's put all of our stock in this one guy that we've had, you know for the last six, seven years to beat this one company. I mean, that just makes no sense. Right. It, it, it's just, I think Braun would have been a bigger draw because Braun is a guy 
that is freshly off the WWE TV, getting over former world champion um, on TV on a weekly basis when Daniel Bryan was not um, more relevant. You know, for the for the years that Daniel Bryan didn't wrestle, Braun Strowman was, and he would be one of the biggest big men there in the company. Um, I think that would bring more eyes because you would you just got then seeing this guy. He, you know what I mean? I, I think that would bring more eyes from a casual fan. Yeah. Because there's people that love Braun Strowman. He sells merchandise. He moves merchandise. I just think that would just be a bigger get. And not because, and again, I'm not talking about, because I know a lot of people are looking at the, you know, their, their computers or cell phones crazy. I'm talking about from a long-term perspective, not right now. Short-term, Daniel Bryan is going to be all over the news. CM Punk's going to be all over the news. But Braun Strowman, from a, from a long-term perspective, you can build him the way that he needs to be built. He's going to be big money for you. Yeah. Especially he's facing guys that can bump for him. But that's not going to happen because he's going back to Vince, which, you know, anybody can see that kind of taking place. But my concern with CM Punk is that he's been out of the business for a while. So the only people that are going to really get behind him are the hardcore fans. And there's enough hardcore fans of him of this business to give him a massive pop. Um, two, if we're doing this in Chicago, you know as soon as the show starts, they're going to be chanting for Sam Punk. Yeah. And they're going to be doing that all night long to the point that it disrupts the show. It's going to ruin the pay-per-view. So you have to make a decision. Do we pop him early? Are we going to do something that's never been done before and have our big surprise come out at the beginning of the show? And then at the end of the show, he does a face-to-face -face with the world champion or something to get another big pop? Like, what do we, what do, we do? Because they're going to, like, listen, the Chicago crowd is not going to be okay with the match that doesn't have CM Punk in. So... Yeah. You're going to have to figure that out fast. And that's a, and that's a, and then the last point, and I'll, and I'll let you, of course. Um, the muzzle for CM Punk. You know, Vince was a muzzle. Hunter was a muzzle. And a bunch of these guys were muzzles for, for CM Punk on saying things and doing things. You know, he's going to come out in the ring. You know, he's going to drop a pipe bomb because that's what he's known for. You know, he's going to shoot and shoot hard. You know, he's going to talk about the WWE because the fans are going to eat that up. We all know that. But there's no one there to tell him to ease up or don't say this or don't go too far or don't use this terminology. There's nobody that can kind of ease up that process for him. And you're giving him a live mic and you're getting, and like all the guys that are executive vice presidents for this company pop when somebody says something derogatory about their competition. Who's going to tell him that's enough? Who's going to cut the mic off? Sometimes it's better to 
be a star player with a good coach rather than being the star player with a bad coach. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Right. It, it, yeah. I want to see how far punk is, is going to go. Uh, how far are they going to let him go? You know, like how long is that leash going to be? If they even have a leash on him? It's a good question. And then how do you overlap these two? It's like, I almost feel like you have to introduce Daniel Bryan, like within the next few weeks. Yeah. I almost feel like you have to do that um, and announce that he's going to be wrestling on that pay-per-view in September. Because if there's not a big enough gap and you do these guys pause, you <laughs> do these, <laughs> you present these guys uh, back to back you know, that's going to really mess up the momentum that both of them have. You got to do Daniel, Daniel Bryan has to be presented first. Here's, here's an interesting scenario I just thought of. Like, I don't think there's any remote possibility this would ever happen. But if it ever did, it I think it would be the biggest swerve I, I think bigger than hogan joining nwo but what if daniel bryan worked it in his contract that he can take individual dates from even the wwe and let's say he worked it out where he made a one-off on smackdown wrestled a match of course, everybody thinks, holy crap, we were all wrong. He signed with WWE. And then a week later, he's on Dynamite. I would see Punk doing that in terms of, well, not, I'm not even, well, Vince would never let them sign those type of contracts. Tony Khan, <laughs> Vince would never let them sign those, those type of contracts. He'll be like, oh, you're, you're going to be on AEW uh, next week? No. Um but I do see that there's a possibility because, again, as I said to you privately, Punk's money is low. He hasn't had a steady job in seven years. Yeah. So, and the UFC is not paying a lot. They weren't paying a lot when he was losing. If you win, you get a bonus purse for winning. Well, you got that one loss removed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, but... They're not paying a lot of money out. He hasn't really done anything. So if Vince comes in, if he negotiated with Vince, which I doubt he did, but let's just say from the devil's advocate standpoint that he did, that he had a negotiation with Vince, sat down, talked to him, and Vince said, um, I'll give you 20 now. While AEW's giving him 10, Punk is going to take it. You have to people forget that Punk was on WWE television, not on Raw and SmackDown. They always want to say, well, the technicalities is that he didn't negotiate. No, if Vince said, I don't want this man anywhere near my company, do you think that Fox has the stroke to say, screw your company, we're going to put him on here anyway? Hmm. Come on, guys. He would be the candidate out of the two people he would be the candidate that I would think is actually signed to the WWE if I was going to pick somebody rather than um, 
I think Daniel Bryan is gone for sure. Um, because it's just too many specific details around his departure. Yeah. I haven't really heard anything about Cena Punk. Well, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying signing with WWE. I'm saying like if Daniel Bryan had signed. Yeah, no, no, I get what you're saying hypothetically. I was, I just, yeah, yeah. I just, um, I mean, that would be great. That would be, you know, completely monumental for the, the wrestling business. But like I said, I don't think Vince would allow that to happen. Vince is really big on keeping all his intellectual property to himself. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, he wouldn't let it happen with a star the size of Daniel Bryan, but he he did let it happen last year with Heath Slater. He well, started on Raw, and then he showed up on Impact. Well, that was a favor to Drew McIntyre. Yeah, no, I understand that. But, I mean, like, just imagine if they did that same situation, but with, like, a Daniel Bryan or a CM Punk. Yeah, I mean, if, if it's something like that, I would be very shocked if they did that. Very, very shocked. But, yeah, because, you know, a name that big, if they did a one-off, just one appearance in WWE, everyone's going to think, holy crap, these reports are bullshit. Right. But the thing is, too, and this is the, the last thing I wanted to bring up, is that, you know, there's a lot of people walking around saying that the WWE is done. We have to understand that the WWE has a lot of bullets in their chambers that they haven't shot yet. A lot. What is the bullets in the chamber? Okay. Bray Wyatt. Let's not forget about him. Mm -hmm. Let's not forget about Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar will definitely go back to Vince. Very loyal. That's one person that I think is more loyal than I ever thought. That I thought Daniel Bryan would be the one that would stay over a Brock Lesnar. But Brock Lesnar chose the WWE over the UFC. And not only that, but badmouth the USC's owner on ESPN national television four, four or five years ago. Yeah. And said Vince is better. The Undertaker doesn't have to wrestle, he just show up. Stone Cold doesn't have to wrestle, he just show up. The Rock. The Rock, the biggest gun, the fucking missile. Yeah. Uh, John Cena with his recent rise in Hollywood. And John Cena coming back into these huge, monstrous, huge, huge, huge pop. I was not expecting that pop. Yeah. That was a huge pop. Like, I mean, come on, man. Well, not only that, here's a name that I think flies under the radar. Well, it's funny because like 20 years ago, this name would have never flown under the radar. So it's kind of funny how times have changed. But at any time, I mean, this guy still draws. He still gets a pop. He still puts on good matches. He's still young enough. Triple H. Absolutely. You throw Triple H out there, have him cut a promo or something, you know? You, you imagine Triple H versus Lashley. That would be a hell of a match. Absolutely. That's a then blockbuster. You, then you have, of course, Samoa Joe's wrestling again. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of bullets in the chamber that they haven't used yet. So don't for one second think that because everybody was complaining about Goldberg, but you heard the pop again. I mean, everybody, oh, Goldberg. 
as soon as it came out, it was I was listening for a boo, and I didn't hear nothing. Yeah. And of course, I, you know, all the uh, all the AEW marks, though, they, they chalked it up to, oh, this is because fans came back. Yeah, they'll pop for anything. Nah, it ain't true. They pop for Goldberg because he's Goldberg. Another one that we're missing, this is also a big one as well, too, bigger than a lot of people would think, Becky Lynch. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of guns, there's a lot of bullets in the chamber that they haven't used yet. Or and, even over the next year, if Ronda Rousey ever came back. Right, I mean, it's a it's, it's a lot of things that they can do. Then you have guys that you haven't seen in a long time. I don't know their contract status, like um, Mr. Kennedy, mm, yeah. um, Aaron Stevens, aka um, Damian Sandow. Yeah. Um. What's the guy's name, the NWA world champion? Oh, Nick Aldis. Nick Aldis. You can bring in um, tons of talent if you needed to. Yeah. Um, but they have a very good pool of up-and-coming talent in NXT as well, too. Like, I remember they said there was this, there's this uh, I forget his name, I think it's Galaxy, Galaxy Jones is his name. Uh, not familiar. He's a big, massive black guy. Moves like a cruiserweight. Um, is part of that um NXT um tournament thing that they have going on. Okay. I mean, like, there's a lot of up and coming talent, man. Yeah. Oh, and and don't forget, yeah, LA Knight. Oh, of course. <laughs> oh, and you know, if you know, even with the controversy behind her, if they ever wanted to sign her, there's no denying that she would have a pop because she got a big following. Tessa Blanchard. Tessa Blanchard. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of things that they can do. So don't for one second think that it's all said and done with the WWE because it is not. And then the other thing that people have to put into account is what is going to happen when it's time for guys who are in AEW who may not like the direction that AEW is going and decide to come over to the WWE. Yeah. Because it's going to happen. It's inevitable. Yep. What's going to happen? What's going to happen when AEW is bad now? Because yeah, there was, you know, I remember uh, people thinking, you know, that would never happen back in the day with WCW. You know, a lot of guys, oh, yeah, you know, you see them jump ship over to Nitro. But very rarely did you ever see anybody jump back over to Raw. But you had Jeff Jarrett come back, and then you had X-Pac come back. And it'd be the, you got to, their careers were revitalized. And what we know them for now is because of their return to the WWE. The Jeff Jarrett was no longer, you know, I mean, he had a short period of time when he came back. He was a country singer guy, but he had that feud with X-Pac in the summertime that led him to cutting his hair. And then they teamed him up with Southern Justice, which was formerly known as the Godwins. That's, that's, that was the, the early stages of slap nuts. That was Jeff Jarrett's. We know him, you know, one, two, three kid or six. Yeah. Good stuff. But X-Pac, come on. 
he, he's mentioned uh, in, the, in the interview I saw uh, that he had surgery done to uh, be able to have a, a few uh, final matches. Well, he didn't really? say he, he he didn't say that he wanted to make it final matches, but he wanted to get the surgery done so he can have some matches. So X Pac, right? Yeah, X Pac. So, um, of course, Braun Strowman when he comes back, that's going to be a massive pop. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot of things that they have going for them that they have strategically placed um, for the rest of this year. Wrestling is good for the rest of this year because the CM Punk Daniel Bryan thing that is enough content to take them into 2022. Absolutely. Same with the WWE, they have enough to take them into 2022 with all these things going on and with the rumors of you know the rock Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. So and and with the whole COVID thing, it, it, you know, one thing that both companies have an advantage of is how soon they're like i mean wrestlemania is obviously the biggest event of the year for wwe but SummerSlam is just as big and all out is like their big event as well and they're 30 days away so you know if anything happens with the COVID thing at least they got 30 days they're still going to be able to put these events on with a crowd yeah there's just um, going to be definitely very um altered and different um i think that uh, AEW should be more concerned than WWE based off of where they're going. Yeah. Um, because, you know, Las Vegas is a very, like I said, alluded to at the beginning of the show, um, kind of like Florida in their mind state. Don't really have, don't really want to enforce things unless they absolutely have to. But Chicago is one of those places where it's like they will immediately shut things down. Yeah. Definitely. Is there anything else on the agenda or have we uh, pretty much touched up on everything? We touched up on everything, man. I'm, I'm, I'm very um, excited to see what happens. Um, I guess the only other thing that I wanted to mention very briefly is that um, I'm also concerned about CM Punk's backstage mannerisms. Mm. Listen to his interview that he gave, that uncut interview he gave that he you know, got sued for. Um, if you listen to that carefully, he was talking about um, how bad it was backstage and how stupid of the decisions that they were making. You have a bunch of guys that have creative control. Yeah. There's no force that's saying, no, you do it this way. Now they will say that Tony Khan's that force, but the thing is, is with CM Punk, is CM Punk can't, um, he can go at Vince, but Vince was successful before CM Punk and after CM Punk. So you can't sit up there and say that, hey, I, I'm better than you and I know more than you because he can't say that against Vince. But he can certainly say that against Tony Khan. Oh yeah. He definitely can say that. So. It'll be interesting to see if you have a guy that really feels like I should go over and Punk says, no, I should go over. I should be the champion. You should put the belt on me and give me momentum. It'll be very interesting, some of those meetings backstage, because 
there were rumblings. I think it was late last year that there was a lot of infighting again with, with the executive vice presidents. Yeah. And then they said, oh, no, it's nothing. We, we debate and stuff. Okay. Well, how are we going to, I think the way that they worded it is each person wanted the show to be a certain way. So the way that they fixed that is each person was in charge of a certain portion of the show. Young Bucks tag team, um, Cody Rhodes mid card, uh, Kenny Omega, the women's and his, all of his matches, like they kind of split it up to put it on TV and they were in charge of those segments. I don't see how you add a CM Punk into this and then everything is going to be honky dory. I don't see how that works. Well, I mean, what happens when you got two guys going up against each other that both have creative control? Like, how do you resolve that issue? I don't think you do. <laughs> you ended the double count out. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, this is the classic Hogan Austin situation. Both of these guys have creative control and stroke, basically. Yeah. And the match never happened. Match never happened because they both thought that this should go over. Yeah. Never happened. So that's the thing that really has people have to really like sit down and think about. You're putting gasoline and a bomb into AEW. And you're just waiting for it to go off. Because he's going to think that he's better than every single one of you. How do, what, what about when Jericho says we should do this this way? Because, you know, Jericho is the, the senior guy over there. This is how we do TV, right? Mm. What happens when Punk says, no, you should do it this way. And that's the problem. But it's just like a football team or a basketball team. If the team has an identity, they try to find players that match those that identity so there's a harmonious locker room. And I think that's my last point. You know, they do that with business too, you know. You have a, a corporate culture and, uh, you know, some people are a right fit, some people aren't. And uh, usually when you have, uh, you know, when management has put together a group of employees that get together very well, you have a, a really good machine. And, uh, you know, the same thing has to be with, with uh, a wrestling locker room. Got to have, uh, exactly. Yeah. Um, we got to have guys that, can't be selfish in selfless times you gotta have guys that have a a good enough head on their shoulders to know when to pick and choose their battles and um that comes with uh experience Uh, when aew first started i don't think their roster was seasoned i think you had a couple guys little tiny bits sprinkled here and there but I think in the last two years with some of the signings that they've made and more recently, their roster has overall has become a lot more seasoned. That's a good thing. Um, Daniel Bryan and CM Punk will definitely really add to the seasoning of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it should be very interesting. And like you said before, uh, both these companies, they've, they've got enough to definitely keep things fresh uh, for the end of the year. And um, one thing that WWE definitely has going for them in the next couple of weeks 
after, especially after SummerSlam, and we could touch up on this on another episode, but the the draft is going to be coming up after SummerSlam. And so that's going to shake things up a little bit. Some people being moved here and there between Raw and SmackDown, maybe some NXT call-ups, maybe even some people being sent back to NXT like Mandy Rose recently. So, you know, I think uh, I think that will definitely be another conversation that we can have in a future episode as the draft approaches us very soon. And, of course, you know, we're going to have our SummerSlam prediction uh, podcast um, in, a, in a few weeks. Uh, we'll try to, well, you know what, let's make that a, a, a panel discussion. Let's try to get the entire crew on for the SummerSlam one. Um, where we're going to be bringing back the uh, pay-per-view pools, too, ladies and gentlemen. And we have a $1,000 grand prize for the pay-per-view pool for all the crew members here on Ring Scoop. So if you want to see us all kind of go crazy and fight each other, there's $1,000 on the line. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you, Mac, that $1,000, that's going to be mine, buddy. I'm by computer. Huh? I'm by computer with that. There you go. And uh, I also heard uh, through the grapevine, too, that Cat. Uh, wants to um, add a, a stipulation to this pay-per-view pool too. Um, so, you know, oh. we'll have to see what she's got up her sleeve on that one. But uh, Mac, before we head out, buddy, uh, any shout outs, words of wisdom, any plugs, yeah, any, anything you want to break a glass jar, feel free. <laughs> Why? Cause Reginald's going to start flipping down the ramp <laughs> on Monday night row. Oh god! <laughs> um, which is like it, it just really felt like I was watching like Amos and Andy. And if people, <laughs> and if people don't know what that is, look that up. <laughs> um, yeah, I am. Um, just everyone that's listening, thank you for listening. You know, we always do these long conversations. We appreciate you listening to the show. Um, my words of wisdom is to make sure that you keep yourself safe. Um, the, the virus is still out there. Um, everyone that's going to these wrestling shows, please enjoy yourselves. But also, please, you know, don't get so excited that a lot of people I see this, they have a mask on and they rip their mask off and scream, ah! and then they put their mask back on. Don't do that. Don't do that. Just wear it. Um, you know, keep your distance from people. If you want to take the vaccine, take it. If you don't want to take the vaccine, don't take it. But just make sure that you keep yourself safe. That's it. All right. Yeah. Uh, the, the the Sean show on on YouTube. Yes, uh, the Sean show. It's funny that you're telling me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was done too. Oh uh, yeah, the Sean show. Check me out on the Sean show on YouTube. Um, we uh, discuss everything that has to do with pro wrestling business as well as sports itself. Um, on the next episode of the Sean Show, we're going to talk about the ether, ether that Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers laid down today. This is the most honest press conference I've ever seen a professional athlete give. And this is definitely signifying the end of him in Green Bay. What do I have to say about it? Check it out on the Sean Show. You guys can get the link to the Sean show over at ringscoops.com. It's right there at the top in the menu, the Sean show on YouTube. Check it out. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, check out ring scoops on social media. 
uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, you know, coming soon, Snapchat. I'm going to try to get into that too. Uh, username across the board at Ring Scoops. Check that out. ProWrestlingTees.com slash Ring Scoops for all your merch. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Ring Scoops for all the live content that we got. And we got some stuff coming up in August as well. And uh, the Ring Scoops card game. Go to RingScoops.com and check that out. Get the game, the wrestling card game. Have fun with it. The ultimate party tool, party game, party utility, whatever you want to call it. It's good stuff. You got, you guys. It's more than just a game. You know, it improves your improv skills, your promo skills. So if you want to use it to help yourself, if you're an independent wrestler out there, check that out. If you want to have some fun with your friends? Check that out. The Ring Scoops card game. And uh, words of wisdom before we head out, ladies and gentlemen. As always. Don't work yourself into a shoot. That's all I got to say about that. So until next time, I'm the webmaster Wade Needham on behalf of Macaball. Thank you. Good night and be cool.